Hello, Internet. <laughs> Welcome to Home Cookery and Other Sins. I'm sorry, I didn't have anything. My She said Internet, and I just went, no. Yeah. Oh, man. Game but, theory and food theory. Another YouTube channels. We're not on YouTube. That we like to listen to. <laughs> um, Hello, and. Internet. And welcome to... Your, ter- your timing is terrible. Thought you were going to like pick it up. Whatever. No. Why? <laughs> Why would I know to do that? Because it's a back and forth. You've listened to the radio many moons ago. Ugh. Weenie you know, and, and the, the butt. butt. Exactly. Thank you. Weenie and the butt. It's, uh, it's uh-huh. um, who were they making fun of? Kevin and Bean. Yes, Kevin and Bean. From K-Rock. Yeah. Although I don't think they're a thing anymore. I don't think the radio is a thing anymore. The radio is very much a thing. I mean, thing. It's, it's still, still there, there. But, like, why? Who's yeah. it for? I don't know. Kind of like cable. Who's it for? I don't know. I was talking to my mom about cable. And my, I mean, they still have it. And, I mean, they want to cut down on what they have for their cable package. But uh, we're still going to benefit because they're going to keep the movie channels. So, so. I feel like they're going to get talked in a circle and nothing's going to come out of that because talking to the cable company is just the worst. So I actually talked to her about that also. Um, and <laughs> I said, oh, so what? Like you're going to call and you're going to threaten to cancel and then they're going to give you some other package. And she's like, no. The last time I did that, they just said, okay, and let me cancel. <laughs> They've so learned. They don't, they don't really, um, They don't really fight you on that anymore. I mean, because they got tired of giving in to the Karens. There's so many people can't. They should be giving in because their their product is stupid and obsolete. Like, yeah, but the cable companies that own it are just getting into streaming. So, yeah, it doesn't so, really matter. Yeah, they're yeah. getting they're getting their money <laughs> get either theirs, way, one way or another. You're either paying for Discovery or you're paying for cable. Yeah, but at least if I pay for Discovery Plus, I get, like, every show fucking ever. And it's way cheaper. Yeah, like, seriously, I know Discovery Plus is about to get, like, absorbed by... Discovery Plus is about to absorb everything, so it's going to have even more content under one place. It sounds terrible because... No, no, it sounds good because that's what Netflix was, and then cable channels got wise and they're like we can't have people not doing cable model and then they fucking took all their shit off netflix and hulu the main two original ones and disney did the same shit we're like we gotta have our own fucking channel so we can make people pay to watch our dumb shit it's like nintendo with their video games we gotta make our own console and make everybody buy our piece of shit software with last generation's graphics instead of just making good content so that they can play our games because they love our ips Mm -hmm. instead of just making the content and letting people play it on a better machine i didn't even watch the nintendo direct that came out today i just read the comments like i told you of everybody super excited to be disappointed by nintendo and not announce anything i mean i could look it up i won't right now but Literally every time I've watched Nintendo Direct, I'm like, okay, three farming simulators, Monster Hunter expansions, and oh, a teaser for the next Mario game that you're going to release in 2027. Like, this leads me to think that they're 
only catering to Japanese audiences? Yes, they are. Which is not... Which is bonkers. Well, it's not a bad thing that they're catering to their own culture, but it kind of is because they're, like, super xenophobic historically, the Japanese. So, like... They're, I mean, they're also a global company that... No, no, yeah, that's... Has a I'm huge saying... huge following. The problem with that is it's very stupid financially because... Oh, well, they're looking internally, like, to... The people of Japan first, yeah. That's very stupid financially because they're a global company that makes a shit ton of money from America. I mean, that's what <laughs> Xbox did, but... Like, not to be America-centric and be like, the whole world should just cater to us because we have all the money, but it's kind of sort of true. Like, us in China, right? I mean, Americans have a long history of spending exorbitant amounts of money on... Oh, non-necessary goods. Yeah, yeah. So it's like and very much we're very heavily involved in the uh, the obsolete, not the obsolete, the planned obsolescence culture, where we very easily seem to just accept, ah, it's fucking broken, throw it away, buy a new one. (laughs) Well, so I mean, that's I'm sure that's all countries that are no, it's all heavily involved in capitalistic. It's all countries that are wealthy. Yeah. So you need... Why spend the time to fix something when I could just buy a new one? You need to target countries. So economically, if we're talking about, like, the invisible hand and shit, like, you would want to target... Your demand is going to come from countries that are first world, where most... Most is... That's not right. I know, I'm, as I'm saying, it's not right, but, like, more of the population has expendable income, disposable income, that they can spend on, like, fun things. You know what I mean? I know, I feel like what I would consider a first world country is a country where, like, a lot, a, a good amount of the people have enough discretionary income to buy stuff they don't need. You're talking about countries on the Maslow's hierarchy of needs pyramid who are flirting with most of their inhabitants of that country in the top two tiers. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you need to have a wider base of people that are willing to buy your product, which is a non-necessary thing. It's a luxury good, essentially. So so if you're going, you don't want the country that has all the money in the top one you need a country that has like let's be real a lot of money in the top one but also enough money in like the general middle class for that country to be able to buy because if only the millionaires are buying my games that's only one game per millionaire you know i need middle class joe yeah, also but, buying my stuff. So, but the middle class Joe's willing to spend that money because I'm I'm going to shoehorn Maslow's hierarchy of needs in here somehow um, because <laughs> the so the top part the pinnacle of Maslow's hierarchy of needs is transcendence. So you've you've resolved all of your issues and nothing matters anymore, and you're perfectly content. But, but you're not. But humans are never content. So you need to transcend so, reality somehow. So the one below to that, your the one below that is self actualization. Uh, 
So in countries like the U.S. where we're so bored that we create problems to solve, those are the countries where people are going to have extra money, even in the middle class that are willing to blow it on things that they don't need, like video games. Yeah, I think we're making the same point. Yes, we are. But I'm just saying you can't. You can't target countries that are... It has to be, like, first world where enough of the population has enough money to have discretionary income. Well, that's also Japan. Which, I, sure, yes, but the population but of the Japan... Popula- yeah, I know, why not? ...is fucking nothing. What, well, compared, no, it's not. Well, compared to... Let's find out, actually. Compared to, I would venture to say, the U.S. and some other European countries. Yeah, it's a third, it's... 1.25 or 125.7 million people in Japan to the US is 331 million. So, yeah, like why is that? So why is Japan their priority? Probably because, because they have develop- a xenophobic culture. Well, and their developers just understand where they're from better. Well, that makes sense. Yes, on a humanistic level. I'm just Macro speaking. That being said, you also have companies like Sony, which originated in Japan and then... And then went, oh, what do Americans want? Well, no, just what does the world want beyond us? Yeah, what does the world globally... How do we make money globally? Because that's how you have to make money anymore or you're going to die. So they invested in game studios that were from all over the world and not just within Japan. Mm -hmm. And I think... Nintendo is very much like the Walt Disney, where they keep everything in house. Where they hate Jews. And well, <laughs> I can't. No, speak. I don't think they I have... can't speak for Nintendo, but I mean, in, theoretically speaking, they probably don't love Jews because they're not from Japan. What if they were from Japan? <laughs> no, did, no. Did, did you know? <laughs> you look too white. Did you know that there's actually two? separate grave sites in Japan for Jesus. There are two separate oh, villages uh-huh. that claim that during the uh the between Jesus's death and Jesus's resurrection he spent those days in Japan. You know. And then following his resurrection no oh no it's following his resurrection he came to Japan and lived out the rest of his life there as a hermit. Kind of thing. Or as a... That seems like really far to go. Yeah, but they made two separate graves for him. <laughs> okay. Like, but they both have different stories. But they Oh, both that's claim... right. Because that's assuming... Okay, what a weird take on that, right? Because it's... For those of you who aren't aware, which everyone in America... I'm, I'm not aware. Most people in America are Christian. That's just true. Not it's not yes. right or bad or anything. It it's just is. It's just true. Then they teach you, they teach you religion in school, honestly. But anyway, so from a Western religious standpoint, that's kind of fucking nuts that they were. They would say that Jesus rose from the dead after being crucified, and then got out of his cave in like the Middle East, and then came to Japan. And then died in Japan. Yeah, why not? Because he's undead at that... When he rose from the grave, he didn't come back to Earth. He went to heaven. 
According to you. According well, according to the Christian legend. Okay. Yes. Like According the... to the Christian faith. But there's also another sect of the faith that says he met up with the lost tribe of Jerusalem in North America and lived out his days there. Yeah, and there's the Mormons. Well, they didn't speak with no, Jesus. No, I know. That they wasn't spoke, Jesus. They spoke with, with the, the next prophet. They spoke... No, the... the <sighs> Joseph Smith, he was a prophet. Yeah, he was dum, a prophet dum, 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 after dum. Jesus. Well, no, he wasn't supposed to be Jesus. No, he no, was just... he was another... Because Jesus was a prophet. Oh, wow. So he was, this, like, the second prophet. Like, in... Uh, please don't kill me for this. I haven't read the Quran, but... Like, Muhammad is a second prophet, as far as I understand. Uh, Muhammad is the prophet. Is it that Jesus wasn't a prophet and he was a false prophet? it's, It's like the Jews that... They don't deny the existence right. of existed, Jesus, but, he wasn't but the they son of don't God. accept him as the savior. Yes. So he may have been, might not have been, depending on what uh, your local Qurani pre, depending on, I don't know what they're called. I don't know. Are uh, they pastors? Are they chieftains? Are they? Oh, jeez. Right? This is so, getting worse as we keep talking. I'm I sorry. know. I'm we sorry. should have more drinks and talk about well, we haven't even got, well... We respect all religions. Like, I don't... I mean, except for Mormons, honestly, but... No, stop it. <laughs> I respect it, too. Uh, she doesn't speak for me. That one's rough. It's it's rough. It's perfectly fine. But also, anyway, my point was that it's kind of crazy to me as somebody who grew up learning Christian teachings that the Japanese are like, yeah, dude, he came back to earth and like came over here and died and like had a grave where his body is like what yeah that's so crazy but also interesting that you know how other cultures interpret like if you ever uh so if you grew up as a white kid basically and you or you know just your average christian raised kid in america and you had a friend who was like korean especially but like also Japanese and I could, other I could be black and have Korean friends. And other things and their parents were like born again Christian and you went to their church cuz they had like trunk or treat or like some event or whatever. I had a friend like this and I was explain like explain to the people what trunk or treat is. Well, it's because <sighs> just explain not not your interpretation, <laughs> just literally what is it? Yeah, okay. So some Sex or some churches of the Christian faith believe that it is not good to celebrate Halloween. So they don't let their children go trick-or-treating. And instead, they will set up a trunk-or-treat at the local church where people will come in their trucks and basically do a tailgate for kids. You could have just said... Be, you could have just said trick-or-treating out of the back of your car with the local community... But the reason they do it... No, because if you live in the fucking middle, like my family that grew up in Missouri, they just go to the town square and they all just hang out at their trucks and they pass out candy. Because you're not going to drive 20 minutes between houses. Drive. Kids aren't going to walk a mile and a half between (laughs) houses. Yes. So y'all just go down to the town square and you go over to Jethro and Bill Bob and... 
Zeke and... Jesus. <laughs> there might be a Jesus in there, too. Oh, there totally is. But, yes, that maybe that was the origin of that. Yes, but it is. Listen, in my California-ass Orange County there you life... Go. They, there you go. They you did just it had because they didn't like Halloween, okay? Well, that's a whole nother reason. Yeah. Um, they just called it Trunk or Treat, and they just wanted to have a fair yes. where you didn't go to other people's houses. The, worshiping the devils. Yeah. The first and only time in my life that I went to one of those sort of carnival events, I rode a mechanical bull. Wow. And I've never done it again because it's never come up again. I've never done it once. <laughs> it was pretty fun, actually. But I also I was like, what is, why? So um, why were mechanical bulls so popular in like the 90s and early 2000s? Because it's right? like, something it, really funny to put a really drunk person on. It was always in like Especially, TV shows and even in cartoons. You put and, a really drunk girl on them. When she's got like a like a super low cut, you know, skirt her skirt's super high, so you can see her crotch, and her her top is super low, so you can see her boobs bouncing around, and she's drunk and stupid. So they put her on it, and then they don't really like make it hard because there's originally you can control it with like you a joystick. Still control it depends on the one, right? But yeah, usually you can control it with a joystick, so they make it very easy, so she can stay on for a long time and like jiggle around. That's why. Yeah, yeah, but I get that, but I get why they're popular. I'm asking how and why did they get into so many bars that it became a pop culture thing? You know? That's the weird part. Some salesman was really good. Right? Okay, thank you. Just like some asshole just went around and was like, bulls. Mechanical bulls. I got this thing bitches can ride on and look hot. Like, you win? Yes. Remember the burger commercial with the mechanical bull? Oh, the Carl's Jr. one. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't get all over Mm -hmm. your face, (laughs) it doesn't belong. If it doesn't get all over the place, it doesn't belong in your face. You know, as a cis straight woman, that commercial's pretty hot. You know, Carl Carter hated that whole commercial series. Of course he did. He thought it was a uh, um, a dumbing down of his brand. It's fucking Carl's Jr., okay? Like, you're he already... He had high respect for his what he well, did. Well, that's... You know, at least someone did. Right? He built it from the ground up. I don't doubt that it used to be better, but at this point, it's yeah, really you, overpriced and it's trash. You used to be able to get a remember. Oh, oh, but there's one by us somewhere in the ether. There's a Carl's Jr. that's kind of close to us. That's actually good. Where right, we actually got like a good famous star, and mm-hmm. I was like, "What the fuck?" Where the bread wasn't flat yes. and like three weeks old. Yes. Yep. It was. I was like, "This is a pretty good burger." This is. This was actually <laughs> worth the six dollars for yeah, just the burger for a famous star. No fries, no drink. Which remember, is goddamn remember ridiculous. Carl's Jr. advertised the six dollar burger combo, yeah. and it was like a and nice that was, burger. That but was like, expensive for fast food. Their nice burgers were kind of gross always, though. Yeah, I never used to like them growing up. I, I really don't care for them now. Yeah, the only thing I like at Carl's... I always used to get the Western bacon. Yep, still the only one I get. Anymore, I'm the like... The barbecue sauce used to be worse, and I got it then. It's better now. Uh, yeah, it's it's not... It used to be so gross. It's not usually what I want now. Now when I go, I want like a famous star. That's because you want vegetables. Because I want 
a truckload of onions in my mouth. Oh, well. I mean, order that. <laughs> a literal ass no, load no. of onions. <laughs> you, want, you want a truckload of onions from Carl's Jr.? Just get the big hamburger. I shit you not, they just take an onion and they just cut one slice of onion and it's like an well, inch thick. But I have to have like the mayo and ketchup and yeah, yeah, lettuce that, no, and no, it's, tomato. It's just the hamburger and a gallon of mayonnaise and ketchup. Wait, does it have cheese? No. It's well, the big I don't hamburger. want that. I want cheese. If you want onion, though, no, I won't. Yeah, they okay. just fucking pack that on. I hear and you. And I used to get that. I so want cheese. I swear, they subsidized the Carl's Jr. that was on my college campus. Because I used to be able to get a big hamburger and a chicken sandwich. It was like $4. And now those things cost $4 individually. And I, would, th- I had a 6 o'clock class. And they would let us out at like 7 as like a 10 minute break, run down there, get those two sandwiches, inhale both of them in like 10 minutes, and I would just have onion breath the rest of the class. I mean. And I'm just sitting there just smelling my own breath. <laughs> and oh, I felt bad for anybody around oh, me. Remember and I when, did it almost every week. Remember when we had to wear masks and you got to smell how bad your breath is? Yeah. <laughs> right? I have terrible teeth. Wasn't that a thing? That was like a whole thing. I like, mean, that was my go-to joke when you're walking around the place and you go, fuck, man, this place smells terrible. It smells like shit in here. Oh, wait. It's just me. <laughs> my own mouth, yeah. Oh, God forbid it's a day where you just went to the store, but you didn't shower yet. Uh, so you have all your musky so face smell. Stanky. I mean, I have a beard. So it's Ugh, even worse. It just stinks like stink. And then it's my breath. Because it was always in the morning. It was always morning breath. And it was always unshowered filth. You know. I, I don't, don't miss the time. I don't know if anything. There's like two breaths that are like the worst breaths. I feel like. There's one little kid peanut butter breath. <laughs> Disgusting. Because they always have like one uh, one side of their mouth has peanut butter and the other side has fucking toothpaste and you're like, why are you How? a monster? Why? How do you do this? Yeah, and it just, they smell like peanut butter it, uh, and like grape juice or something. It's disgusting. Um, What's the other one? The other one is dad coffee breath. Well, because dad coffee breath is mixed with tooth rot breath. I mean... And it becomes extra potent. Yeah, you know, everybody knows dad coffee breath. Because dad's in your face in the morning and you're like, oh God, why? <laughs> Wake up. Need you to shoot a bird. Oh, God. It's so bad. <laughs> Figure it out. <laughs> so bad. I mean, okay. Those are the words human breaths. Because that's... I feel like that's all we need to qualify here. But dog breath, like old dog breath, is just... Well, like, that's on a whole nother level. It's like... It's like a rotten vagina. That is what it smells like. Speaking of rotten vaginas, we host a cooking podcast. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> if your food smells like a rotten vagina, this is a PSA. Then tell throw your throw it away. If your food feels like a, smells like a rotten vagina, push your dog's head out of your el- of your armpit. <laughs> because so they're they- <laughs> trying to steal your dinner. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't eat breakfast sausage for most of my life. 
because my dog would breathe. She would sit. She's a big dog, so her face would come up above the table just standing. She was big, you know. So she'd sit there with her face under my armpit just breathing on my eggs and sausages. And I was like, I can't even eat this, eat this it because smells so bad. it smells like clammy vagina. It, Plus sausage, you know? Plus sausage. <laughs> so I couldn't eat it forever. Yeah, you'll eat eggs. <laughs> the eggs, okay, so I wouldn't eat eggs that were cooked in sausage because of that. Ah. Because of the smell. Because something about this, the mixing smells, it was just like, it was god awful. I mean, you've started dabbling in breakfast sausage again. Yeah, I just recently started eating it again, and I don't love it. It's not my favorite, and it depends on... The day. Like, the brand. the brand. Because. How do you feel about your Farmer John's breakfast links? Farmer John's is all right. It's, so. The problem I have is, like, when it's, like, the McDonald's sausage patty, and it's, oh, like, pure fat. Like, there's I no. those ones. There's no meat. It's just a fat. So good. Glob. So good. Formed put, into a patty. Put a little ketchup on that shit. Oh, it's so gross. Oh, it's so I good. I can't deal with it. I, I. We talk about people being bitches about textures all the time. I'm a huge bitch about textures. Oh, calm yourself. If you want to texture, bitch, look six inches to your left. Well, Nick's a texture, bitch, too, but I'm really bitchy about, like, fat and, like, gristle. I've gotten better as I've gotten older, and I've learned to, like, appreciate what those do for the meat and, like... Yeah, but you've also learned that if you do this right, then it's edible. Yeah, but... most people don't. But sometimes, like with with chicken drumstick. Chicken drumstick is a great example of things that, like, even if you do the best job cooking it, there's going to be stuff on there that's not going to be good. So you just have to learn to, like, navigate it, eat around it. You know, if the texture (coughs) bugs you, learn to eat around it and you're fine. But it's worth it because the flavor is there. You know, but as a kid, I was a hundred percent the like I don't I don't want that. That's like I have to work to eat that. Yeah, I remember that too. Chicken nuggets are nothing. But then you learn to that you learn that it tastes better, so you it's like worth it to work to eat it a little bit. But but this actually brings us to our topic for today, which is cumin beef, which as it sounds is uh cumin beef. Hanan, Hanan, Hanan cuisine. Is that how you spell that, uh, or how you say that? Oh, it's um, Hunan. Uh, Hunan. 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 It's I believe somewhere in China. I think. <laughs> I think so. Yes, Hunan province. Hunan. Yes, Hunan in China. Okay, so this is a Hunan dish, a uh, Chinese dish, right? I love how they name things. It's so straightforward. They're just like, what is it? Cumin and beef. That's what we're going to call it. Okay, great. That's going to be easy to read on a menu. You know, it's not if you have to read it in Asian. But when you see it... Uh, you know, I learned from this that if you go to a Asian... Like, you go to... Yes, who not? Especially Chinese restaurant. Uh, and the menu just has a list of, like, pungent chicken and like sweet sour pork and like that's where you want to be eating 
Because that's how they name stuff, authentically. <laughs> oh, when they didn't give it, like, really European-sounding market mass market appeal names? Yeah, like uh, P.F. Chang's. P.F. Chang's got a fucking dumb name for everything. Like, no, you want, if you want, like, real deal Asian food, everything should be called, like, pork fried rice and, like, fucking three words max, and that's the whole thing. The name of the dish should describe exactly what's in the dish, Mm -hmm. more or less. It should describe the main flavors of the dish. Yeah, it should describe the main meat, the main protein, whatever it is. And the main flavors. So, cumin beef. The main flavor is cumin and beef. Right. And everything Spicy else that goes... Spicy pepper chicken. Like... Everything else that goes with it. The other way to figure out if you're at a good Asian restaurant is do the Asian people eat there. Oh, yeah. If there's a bunch of white people there, you're not at the then right place. Then you're a Panda Express <laughs> and you leave. If there's, like, a lot of other Asian people there, though... I, I legitimately look around in Asian restaurants. I'm like, are there other Asians here? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the last okay. pub place we went to was full of them. Yes. And, and it was delicious. And it was delicious. We were in so, the right I mean, place. <laughs> it sounds racist, but it really uh, kind of tracks. They know what's good. My, uh, my cousin did that when he was in San Francisco. He stayed there. I mean, first of all, he's... Living on the edge, he stayed in San Francisco at a hostel. Mm. And he just kind of wandered around the city and whenever he wanted Asian food, which... Wouldn't it be crazy to be able to do that? Like, just be in a city either by yourself or with, like, one other person or something? by himself. By yourself, walking around San Francisco and sleeping in a hostel? I mean, he survived. Women. Women, am I right? Not an option, right? Nah. No. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you could try, but like... No, women do it all the time. It's just about your level of comfort and confidence. And how many brass knuckles you have. And your willingness to be okay with a shitty situation. Yeah, I have like zero tolerance for sketchy stuff like at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, he would just wander around San Francisco whenever he's in Chinatown. He would just go to whatever restaurant. He didn't even know what it was. He would just he'd look and he'd oh, there's a line of Asian people out the door. I'm gonna go wait in that line. <laughs> and he said he was never disappointed. That's a good. Strategy. And he always just he just he would listen to people order mm-hmm. and he would just order whatever the whatever, last person whatever the most oh. heard thing was. <laughs> you know, that's. A good idea. What whatever he could understand the most, that's what he ordered. Like what a eat, pray, love experience. Right? I would never well, ever do that ever. No, me either. But it um, sounds great. One of my other friends told me that I mean, and this is true a hundred percent, if you're gonna order food off of a food truck that's not run by a hipster, so like an old school roach coach. You gotta order it in Spanish or else they give you the shittiest food. Mm. Mm. Because even if you do it poorly. That's your white construction friend. Yes. Yeah. Okay. If you if if speaking the, of shady things. Right? If the if the food truck is run and it's like a classic white truck run by a bunch of Mexican guys or gals, and you're like, mm-hmm. I know the food's good here, but if you order it in Spanish, even if it's shit Spanish, they'll go Thank you for trying. I'll give you the not worst well, cut. Well, I, I appreciate that. I, I mean, 
Yeah. It's like I've see, but a lot of the time I'll like not. I don't know what to do. Like I don't know whether to try or not because I know I'm gonna fuck it up, especially under pressure. It's like I know some Spanish, but it's like shitty. Usually, the appreciate there's the appreciation. It depends on the culture. The depends on the culture. In Spanish, if it's French, oh fuck you! You can't speak oh, well, of my French. You that's shit. because mad, mad. <laughs> that's because European. Well, not all Europeans suck too. That's so. true. The Germans will appreciate your attempt, but they will also correct you. Well, no, they will also go. Uh, I think my English is better than your German. Uh, yeah, probably. I will, just, I will just continue in this because I know how to speak <laughs> si, si. multiple languages. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> and uh, your German sounds. Terrible. I am an idiot American. I don't know how to speak shit because um, just we're just used to the whole world catering to us. Well, That's baby America over here again. We we live on an island where everyone caters to us, and we have the biggest navy. And we live we live on an island where everybody speaks English. What like three aircraft carriers or something? Three. <laughs> we have eleven. The most. We have eleven. Uh, All of the world combined only has like nine, and then we have eleven separately. America. Uh, you know. We have eleven cities that float around the world. Uh, okay. Might be up to 12 now, honestly. How many satellite cities do we have? Satellite cities? That's like, not a it, thing. Yeah, yeah, like space stations. Oh, there's one. There's the International Space Station. Are you sure? I mean, that Are you sure is, it's not the... That just, is publicly known. Are you sure it's not the Hall of Justice? Yes. No, that's, um... It's not the Hall of Justice. It's the Watchtower. Yeah, it's, watch it's run tower. by Batman. Yeah, it's it's so, anyways, when you're looking for good Asian food, go to where the Asians eat. And, and if the menu says stuff like hot Cuban beef and like spicy Szechuan or, chicken, like it's, it's probably written, good. If it's written in Chinese in uh, characters, <laughs> and that, yeah, if it's written in characters and then has like a caption with like bad English next to it, that's food's probably gonna be good. That's the ideal situation. Or or it'll be terrible and you'll have instant diarrhea within the hour. Right? It's you don't know. Roll those dice. You just don't know. You, I won't. You but know, please do for me. You don't need to because you can make it yourself. If you possess a large tolerance for being burned with hot oil. I do. I possess a large tolerance for that. <laughs> I don't. So this is very, like, you gotta walk it. You gotta walk it. With our, you know, which, even that, like, don't, we don't have a walk. We have a round bottom. Um, Technically, that pan is called a walk. Um, okay, we have a hex-clad walk. And we don't have a burner that can effectively use it. Like, we have an electric stove. We don't have a wok burner, but so we're putting this recipe, the wok. it'll even tell you in this recipe that it was designed stove. for being able to be used with just a large nonstick pan. Yeah. This, this recipe, which comes from America's Test Kitchen. Yes, it was made for Americans. But presented by the kitchen. only two Chinese guys that work on the whole show, even when they did um, they did uh, chashu pork and mm. they did fried pork belly, and it was mm. white guys presenting it both times. Um, talk about race. Right. Um, <laughs> hello, so, bon appetit. <laughs> hello. Looking at you. <laughs> oh, well, that was more sexism. No, it was both. And race. But sexism was a little bit worse. They got got. They got got. They got me too'd. Um, and they're trying really hard now. 
But you can tell the swing. They're yeah, they're trying really hard. You can and, tell the pre me tude and the post me tude. You know, fucking good. Good. But I still like Brad. Yeah, yeah. I like Brad too, but when I don't he drinks his water. I don't only want to see Brad and Molly. Yeah. Almost. They're they're fine, but like come on guys. Diversity. Who was it the the one girl, the the Indian girl that went over to Babish? Sola. Sola. Yeah, I liked her. And then she got picked up by the History Channel, of all things. Because she just would do the craziest She'd just be like, stuff. okay, yeah, you want me to cook on a shield? I'll cook on a shield. Yeah. Yeah. It, she's pretty great. I, she was pretty great. Uh, my channel on Instagram is following her channel on Instagram, so. <laughs> well, she's got a lot more followers than us. Tell yeah, your friends. Well, obviously. If you bother to listen, tell your friends. If you made it this far. We should probably talk about food and this show. Yeah. Is this the first time we've mentioned the recipe that we're doing Cuban beef? Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, we're talking about Cuban beef today. It's so, Hunan. So it's it's Cuban beef. Uh, the recipe came from America's Test Kitchen, but the main presenter and his dad... Chinese people trying are, to Americanize... Who are... Very much developing this classical Chinese to, recipes. To like it's supposed to taste. To suit the American palate and what we have available to cook with. But it, like, it feels like it's... I'm sure it doesn't taste like this in China, but it's like it's trying to keep itself authentic with... Yeah, with using like the techniques that we have available. So... Did, did you watch the video with me talking about the oil that's in China versus in the U.S.? Yeah, yeah, they just they have different oil that's not allowed in the U.S. and other countries. So it's like you can't, you literally can't get food that tastes the the exact same way. But you can get pretty close because it's like mustard oil. Yes, mustard seed oil. That's what it is. Mustard seed oil, and it's outlawed in the U.S. and other countries because it can be poisonous. Yes. So it's like instead of just, so it's like instead of just like policing it, they're just like nah, nope, none of that. Well, I mean, that's the safer route. Yes. I don't... I'm not... It's not a dig at them. It's just kind of like a... Reasons to be careful when you go abroad and make stuff yourself. I don't know. But anyway, you can make this yourself with uh, neutral oil. I mean, we've done canola oil and then we did... um, We did safflower oil. Safflower oil. Because Gino Palette said safflower oil would be better for both of us than canola oil. And I legitimately don't feel as gross. We did just make this a couple hours ago. We just and, made it. And while I do have the classic Chinese hunger, I ate just an hour ago and now I want more food. Well, that's nothing you can do about that. Nothing you can do about that. It's because the food... Okay, so the reason isn't because it's not filling enough. This is kind of my theory, but it's kind of like based in things I've heard. It's it's not because it doesn't fill you up enough. It's because it has so much... Uh, it, because it has like this, most of their dishes have like a balance of like sticky, sweet, savory, salt and sugar kind of elements to them that make you crave food. So you eat it and you're like, that was so good. And you just eat like a shit ton of it and you're still kind of hungry. But you have to think a lot of it's protein and it's going to fill you up. And there's often a lot of vegetables involved. So... And rice. Don't forget the rice. So it's not like you're hungry. It's like you're just craving food because the flavors of a lot of Asian food make you crave more food. Well, it, it's also things like rice and a lot of the food 
uh, that we get served in America, at least, is battered uh, and fried. So it all expands really quickly, but it doesn't have its bread, so it doesn't have a lot of staying power. Unless it's ancient grains. Well, but that's not what we're talking about here. I'm just, I'm just saying ancient grains are kind of interesting because they're they're carbs, but they they have staying power. Yes, they take longer to digest because they're more complex. So they keep you kind of feeling more full longer. Anyway, that's not what we were talking about at all. But you have fun with your side tangent. <laughs> anyway, safflower oil. Okay. Doesn't taste different at all. It's just it's a, neutral a neutral oil. oil. Uh, you know, if it's, I'm sure it's not better for everybody, but honestly, it worked really well for me. I noticed a difference, like, immediately, because I don't feel disgusting. So, like, disgusting and tired and just, like, you're, like, you smeared grease on your face. You know, know, when that post-Panda Express where you're just like, I need a nap. Yeah. We didn't need a nap. We're we're here making this podcast now instead of (laughs) sitting on the uh, couch groaning. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which is usually what happens after we have Chinese food. Yeah. So, worth a try. I mean, anyway, this is a, (laughs) it's beef that has a cumin spice on it. But, um, no, it's beef, uh, flank steak cut into, like, super thin slices and cooked with your kind of traditional aromatics. You got onions, garlic, and ginger, and you have, like, a soy sauce. So that's part of the beef marinade. Soy sauce, um, molasses of all things, mm-hmm. um, and salt. That's about it for the for the marinade. You could scroll down. Oh, Shaoxing wine. That's important. <laughs> that's important. You could get away with not having it. Oh, you could get away with dry sherry. That is recommended on the list. That's an interesting point and well made. I think so. A lot of Chinese recipes that you'll see for Chinese food are um, really Chinese recipes for <laughs> Chinese food. I thought we were making Brazilian dishes with Chinese recipes. Well, it's possible. Anyway, sorry. A lot of recipes for Chinese food will use something called Shaoxing wine, which is not spelled the way I just said it. But that's how you pronounce it. Shao Shin. Oh, so you have to know that the X sound. So in Chinese, X makes a Shi sound when you're looking at it in um, in English writing. So like, so yeah. like the current dictator, president of China, come at me, bro. Um, mm. Xi Jinping. His name is spelled X-I-X-I, but it's pronounced Zhijing. Yeah. So, yeah. So this is an ingredient that you'll see a lot in these things. You can get it on Amazon. Yes, you can. It's about $10 and you'll... And you get like a bunch. It's a full 750 milliliters and you use it a tablespoon at a time. And yeah. And if you want to make like really authentic, just any Chinese thing you can think of that has like a brown sauce... Yeah. Which is like most things, right? It's going to have this, and this is one of those things. It's a very unique flavor. It's that... like soy. It's like alcoholic soy sauce. That's Because that's pretty much what it is. That's what it tastes like. It's a fermented rice grain. It's um, so it's so pivotal to these dishes, though. It's gonna, it makes it taste if, like what you want, you know? If you buy it, 
and you've never tried it, oh, do just, try just it. Just taste it. Just It's terrible. It's very interesting. It's so unique. You're not going to shoot it. It's like... Worth it to know it. It's like fish sauce where you smell it and you taste it and you go, fuck you, that's not going in my food. And then you put it in your food and you go, I never want to have this dish without this thing. Yes. The first time we used it was when we were making uh, General Sao chicken. So, General Sao. General Sao chicken. Not that that's a Chinese dish at all. No. Babish's recipe, I think it was. Yeah. So that is that is like a breaded fried chicken nightmare, but it's so good. So good. And we bought this for it, and we've since used it in many similar recipes, including this one. Worth It's worth $10.00. It's like... It stays in the pantry. It's alcohol, so it doesn't go bad. It's fine. You're not going to get the same flavor out of dry sherry. If you have dry sherry... Even we don't have dry sherry. We have, like, semi-sweet or something. It might be okay. It might be okay, but it it's going okay. to be different. It's a very unique flavor. Right. So it's, it's, there's nothing that's going to be the, the same. The fact that it is alcoholic and you can order through Amazon amazes me. It's not very alcoholic. Because in the U.S., Amazon usually doesn't sell anything with alcohol in it. Yes, that's There true. must be a percentage limit that this is clearing under or something. It's not... Like, it's cooking alcohol. It's not... You're going to drink it. I, God, I'm, please don't. Actually, there are some regions in China <laughs> where they will sub a small bowl of rice for this. Because it's made of rice, oh. so this is your starch now. Oh. So you'll just drink that with dinner. And then you'll explode from water, just so much salt. So much salt. Delicious, uh, delicious salt. It's so salty. Um, but no, it's really worth it. It's really, really worth it if you want to make a, a Chinese food dish that tastes like what you think you want Chinese food to taste like. Shaoxing wine. Um, anyway, so that uses that. And I was going to say this this recipe is not breaded and fried. It's just walked in some in shallow oil. Um, and it uses flank steak, which I really wouldn't sub in this because um, you really need like the... The, the thinness of the strips you're able to get with it and the fat content in the thin strips keeps this moist while also being able to walk it so it's it's not going to dry out. So I'm going to softball you a question in here. What if I wanted to sub for skirt steak? Don't, don't do that because you need, you need thickness. So skirt steak is going to be like good for taco meat or like carne asada or something like that where you want you want just like thin little slices where the meat um <laughs> like the actual she's like clicking her fingers together trying to demonstrate <laughs> size but... the actual thickness of the meat itself like it's, it's a strange thing to explain because when you make this with flank steak, you cut your meat into these tiny, like, one-fourth inch uh, little strips down the, across the grain of the meat. Um, so you could get something that looks like that if you just took skirt steak and cut it, 
like an inch apart into like strips, right? But it's different because the flank steak, the meat inside the cut is a thick, it's like a thick band of meat when you look at it. And if you're looking at a piece of skirt steak, it's a, it's, it's like, there's no meat fiber. It's just. Skirt steak <laughs> is too thin and shreddy. Yeah. Where flank steak, <laughs> come on. Sorry. I'm I, like drawing a box over here. Like, <laughs> I can't math. Okay, look, I can't compute. Okay. Look, flank steak is like thin steak. Where skirt steak is like shreddy meat curtains. So it's not going to stand up to... It's just there's no way to have a thick piece of skirt steak. No. There and if you do is... have a thick piece of skirt steak, it's not going to be good. Yeah, that's that's not how the, that's not the point. meat is cut in general. Like, there's just no way to really do that. There is a way to have a thick piece of flank steak. Yes. Like, if you've ever seen, uh, like, a typical... It's it's not like a tri-tip, but it is kind of like a tri-tip in that you can imagine it um, a delicious piece of steak that's laid out in slices on a big plate and it has like chimichurri on it, drizzled on top of it, like that kind of steak. That is usually flank steak. That, yeah, that's usually flank steak, yeah. Oh my god. So that's what, that's kind of. having a good night. That's kind of what I'm saying. I'm sorry, this is so hard for me to explain. I really thought I softballed that one in there for you, but uh, no. apparently I really took you by surprise. Basically, use flank steak or uh, nothing. Yeah, I wouldn't try and make this another meat because you need you Don't need the use... fattiness of the meat to be able to cut the pieces of meat thin enough to cook it in a wok in hot oil. Without it becoming dry. Because you need to be able to cook it but long enough to also be able to put a sauce on it without overdoing it. Or a seasoning, sorry. Right, because it cooks multiple times. Yes. And the other technique there that they teach you in this video, which is really interesting, is the... What is it? What is that called? Where you put the baking... Velveting. Velveting. They show you, they teach you like velveting the meat, which is not hard to do. It's just slicing all the meat into into the slices you're gonna cook it as, right? So you prep it, slice it up, and then you mix it in a bowl with water and baking powder. Soda. Baking soda. Well, you know. You can also do it with egg whites. Yeah, yeah. Velveting can be done. Yeah. So it's just, it's, uh, what it does is it provides more surface texture to the meat, right? No? It's, um, it's a slightly, I don't know what I'm talking about. it's a slightly acidic mixture, so it starts breaking down the edges. There's tenderizing the meat. It's, t it's a tenderizer and it gives it, uh, more craggly edges. You can do this with potatoes also. Um, if you're doing like roasted potatoes if you boil them in water that has baking soda in it. Uh, but you got to be careful because if you do too much, it'll make it alkaline and it'll taste like a penny. Mm. Um, Yum. So, but if you do that, then it'll it'll keep its solid structure, but it'll make the edges craggly. And then it allows the weird craggled texture to pick up more flavor. 
So I was kind of right in saying that it adds more like texture on the surface. It is a tenderizer, yes. Of the meat to collect flavor, right? So yes. you do, you cook it, you, you tenderize it like that, you cook it like that, and then you add a powder, like of a seasoning mix that you blend up in a... Uh, we use a coffee grinder, actually. We This would have sounded so ridiculous to me, like, maybe a year ago, maybe, like, a year and a half ago. But we bought a little, just, you know, whatever brand, coffee grinder. I think it's Oyster. It's just, it's, like, who cares brand, because it doesn't matter. It was, like, all it was, like, $10. All it needs to do is... It was sold as a spice grinder, but it's also a coffee grinder. It's the coffee grinder. It's one of the ones where you push the button, it's got a spinny blade, and that's all it does. Yes, so if you do that, you can basically avoid mortar and pestling yep. spices. You, you might, I, I haven't been convinced yet that mortar and pestle is a better way to do it. I will be one day because I'll try it with the right thing and it'll make sense. Because I believe the grandmas out there. It's usually, mortar and pestles are usually better when trying to break up fibrous things. Like ginger or... A fibrous pepper or uh, things that you need broken down and mashed, but you don't want shredded. Hmm. So, because it, it breaks it down and creates a very specific texture. Like, if you mortar and pestle garlic long enough, it almost starts to resemble uh, a an aioli, um, but you don't have any mayonnaise in it. But fuck, that takes a long time. If you mortar and pestle garlic. Well, you have to do oil in there, too. But it's oh, are you talking about tomb? No. No, because tomb is usually made with... Now, you can make it with a food processor. We're going to make tomb one of these days. <laughs> uh, tomb is a Mediterranean garlic sauce. Mm, yeah. Mediterranean or Middle Eastern. Yeah. It's awesome. It's, it's literally the best. Like, if you... If you love garlic, it's intensely garlic. Yes. All right, okay. We off way, way off. We gotta. I feel like I'm herding cats, and one of the cats is me in today's episode of Home Cookery and Other Sins. <laughs> oh, shit. Did you just now say the title? <laughs> no, I said it. Uh, I said it before. That's um, right. All right. We're, we're talking about cumin beef. Are we talking about cumin beef? We are. I thought we were talking about tomb. Very, we're very much like not focusing on this, and it doesn't reflect at all on how delicious the recipe is and how much we think you should make it, right? It's uh, this we, is an episode where we didn't write anything down and we just came up we, here to record. We were so excited about this food that we had to tell the internet that we wanted to talk about it today. I have two other scripts written, and we said. Fuck it. They're two outlines. Scripts is not correct. They're just outlines. Um, you mean none of this is a scripted show? What oh. about when I... <laughs> it said right there in the notes. <laughs> make drumming noise. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't have I don't have that much time. No. Um, Who do you think I am? Bo Burnham? Yeah, and also if I'm assigned a script, I will be the fakest thing ever. Yeah, ever. I used to be given scripts. I never read them. I used to be given scripts too, and I was in like a lot of plays. I feel like in elementary school, and it was really fun. But at the time, I was like mostly just nervous and like, "Why are you casting me in a big part? Because I don't really want one." 
you know back when like because elementary school i feel like they just made you do stuff because they made everybody audition for everything and they were like oh you're actually legitimately good and they'd make you do it and you're like but i don't want to do it uh (laughs) too bad do it oh my goodness (sighs) so cumin beef that's the show we're going to talk about today did you have any structure to this outline (laughs) Yeah, uh, for anybody who's new to this program, the show structure, uh, usually we talk about our first impressions of a recipe, um, the shopping for the ingredients, cooking the recipe, uh, how easy the recipe is to follow, and and any changes we might have made, because, oh, we make changes. We follow recipes kind of sometimes. It's, you know, but like you need the guideline. It's kind of like this script. (laughs) <laughs> and then we talk about tasting how it tasted at the end of the day and we rate the recipe based on its ease of use how much we like the taste that we got and how much it reflected what we wanted it to taste like which i'm calling taste satisfaction we talk about cost effectiveness um we talk about what the fuck factor so, you know, if anything's weird about the recipe or just something kind of off the wall that made us look twice at this one. And then leftover ability. Does it leftover? Can you, one, save it, two, reheat it, and three, enjoy it the next day? Wow, I think that's the most detail you've ever gave in, given for your uh, breakdown of the show structure. I loved it. Well, usually I try to kind of skip over it because I feel like it's boring, but... But today, it just I, it felt right. Sometimes people need structure. I don't know. I need structure. If I you're structure. If you're one of those people, then you're one of my people. I get it. You're one of my homies, so, homie. So, this recipe, we're going to talk about first impressions of this recipe. I love the idea of Chinese beef dishes. I love the idea. I've been to several Chinese restaurants that I've liked. Well, several is probably too many. A few. I've been to a few Chinese restaurants where I've had <laughs> like a Mongolian beef or something similar. Emperor's beef. That I've really liked. And I'm like, why? Why is this so good? And how can I recreate? I really want to recreate this because it's so good. You know, it's like it's so craveable. I'm not talking about Panda because Panda Express does not have, <laughs> does not have any beef dishes that are worth a shit. No, they're all gross. There are beef dishes that I like, but they are because I like them, not because they are good. They're gross. I will fully admit that I like orange chicken, and I will get it sometimes at Nick's nagging that we get Panda. We but... should get Panda Express this weekend. <sighs> Anyway, sometimes I'll give in and we'll order it, and I do legitimately Yay. like orange chicken from there. Yeah. And mushroom chicken from there. Gross. But uh, those aren't good representations no. of Asian food at all. They're just fine, and they make me happy for a second, you know? There's, there's an old BuzzFeed video where they give Chinese grandparents Panda Express for the first time. <laughs> and even orange chicken, they were like, I mean... They were it's like, not this Chinese is good, food, but it's, it's not, good. It's not Chinese food. I don't know what this is, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's Whatever it is, it's not Chinese, but it tastes good. Right. So, that's that's fair. So, coming from that perspective, it's like, 
most of the meat, most of the beef, I feel like most of the beef you can get is bad. It's so bad. It's so bad. And I just want it, you know, like I, you've, if you've had it a couple times where it's really good, you're just like, I want that again because it's such a craveable thing, <laughs> like I was talking about. Um, so this is not Mongolian beef, but as we were eating it, I was like, oh, we could totally do this technique, but just use a different sauce and make really good Mongolian beef, right? Yeah. So we're going to try that one time, but uh, in terms of this recipe... The idea of cumin meat is something we kind of came across recently-ish. By recently, I mean within the last, like, five years because I can't think in time, you know? You know what I mean? You're like, I I just heard this yesterday, and it's like, oh, no, that was, like, five years ago. And you're like, so So I have, an, I have an introduction to this dish that's a little more structured. Okay, great. Uh, so there's another YouTube channel that I watch where it's a British guy. Is he British? He might be American. Either way, he's a very clearly native English speaker that uh, lives in Hong Kong with his wife. And they're taught his Asian wife, uh, who's a native to Hong Kong. Uh, Who are you talking about? uh, It's like Chinese Dynasty or something. You've seen it. We haven't made anything successful. Oh, yes. Okay. this cumin meat, I'm going to say meat. Was introduced to cumin me lamb. through cumin lamb, which we attempted, didn't work out very well because we can't get access to good lamb mm-hmm. where we live. We've talked about it before. We'll skip over that. So I loved the idea of the flavor profile. It's so good with lamb. And then it is. It could be. We just didn't have the right lamb to make it like proper. The potential was there, but the cut of meat was wrong. So, when we came across this dish, when America's Test Kitchen put it out, I was like, yes, it's the human lamb, but it is accessible to Mm. what I have around me. Mm. So, that was my introduction to this. I knew I wanted it, but I just got the bad recipe first. Yes, and with that, we return to the spice grinder. So, the reason for the spice grinder in this recipe is that you're, you're grinding up a spice blend with some... Like whole seeds and some mixed spices. Mm-hmm. If we followed this recipe correctly, we would have used whole cumin seeds, but I'm not going to buy that. I mean, we probably I, should. One day we'll get some that's, more whole spices. That's one that I'm considering because it is. We use it a comes lot of cumin. Up, it comes up a lot in like Indian and Mexican. Yeah cuisine that you like and they really want you to get the whole seed and grind it up and that's why we have that spice grinder because kind of like uh if you grind your coffee every day which maybe you don't if you don't try it just try it just ten dollars on amazon buy a little coffee bean grinder well so i mean so the problem with that recommendation is there are two types of coffee grinders. There's a blade grinder, which is what you use as a spice grinder. And then there's a burr grinder, which is what we use for our coffee and most baristas would recommend using. Uh, and that grinds the coffee very differently. Okay, well, forgive me. It's okay. I don't know what I speak. Uh, but, okay, but just in general, I'm trying to say... 
fresh ground fresh coffee, ground coffee is, better is than way pre-ground. better, way better than pre ground coffee. It's because as soon as you grind it, it's like anything else. Like it's like a peanut. Think of a peanut, right? If you toast a peanut, like how much oil comes out of that peanut when you're toasting it? Um, like a bunch of the flavor is in that oil. So when you break up your coffee bean, I'm not saying that coffee beans have a bunch of oil, but no, they do. When you break it up, it starts to seep out. So you're losing once you once you break the bean from being whole, the flavorful the flavors and the aromatics and the aroma, which is they like start half. dissipating. That's the thing. Half of spices like coffee, which I would consider kind of like a spice. Technically, <laughs> once you've roasted coffee, it's all it's starting its process of losing flavor. So, I mean, we don't live in a world where I can home roast green coffee beans. I'm sure that would be the best coffee you've ever had in your life. So, (laughs) the best I can do right now is to at least wait to grind my coffee until right before I use it. If you want to keep the flavor in your coffee. If you want to keep the flavor in your spices. And your spices, yes. Use as many whole ones as you can. Interestingly, just pick, just pick some that you use. That's kind of what we're doing. Like black we're, peppercorns. We're not gonna buy all of our spices whole, but because that's nutmeg, a pain in the ass. Juniper berries. But for you, with what you cook, if you're interested in cooking, no allspice berries. Sorry, different things, and especially if you pickle, if you pickle things, mustard seeds, you will end up with several of these spices. Like mustard seeds and black pepper and juniper berries, you'll you'll end up with those from pickling, potentially. And those Cardamom. are those are some things that you can grind up. But you know, it's just what recipes do you make that really need that or really call for it? And then, cumin. yeah, cumin, coriander, coriander is a big one. Coriander seed. So. But it's uh, I'm not I am not saying that you need to replace all of your ground spices with you know whole, whole spices. spices. It's a lot of work. I wouldn't do that. I, I wouldn't, wouldn't tell you to I do it. I wouldn't do it every time. But the for some of these recipes, the whole seeds are important also because yes. they tell you to toast them and which then changes, grind them. It changes the flavor. It changes the flavor. You would be surprised at the difference. Yes. Uh, interestingly, if you're moving into whole spices. Uh, Fun fact, a tablespoon of whole spices ground down is a tablespoon of ground spices. Well, that makes sense. Sometimes. Like they're full of air? Well, yeah, sometimes there's a a loss. Like, so like, like, um, trying to think of what's an example. What weighs Uh, more, a pound of feathers or a pound of bricks? Well... (laughs) Remember the first time someone said that to you and you were like, well, a pound of bricks, obviously. And they were like, no, both of them are a pound. And you're like, mind exploded. I will never believe anything anymore. I don't know why to (laughs) me that those things don't translate. I think it's because the... Well, because you're talking about weight. I'm talking about volume. I'm just talking about things that are very hard to perceive. Yes. But (laughs) you... Most of the, the... most of the time, if not every time, the same measurement of the whole seed will grind into the same measurement as the powder. 
That's fair. I would guess. I would guess if you asked me to guess that you would lose some volume due to air. I would guess. I would have guessed that you would lose volume due to like the whole seeds have just air pockets in them. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're saying the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Because they're not. You know, you open any seed pod, it's not full of whatever all the time. But, um. Another recommendation, you know, for certain things, definitely grind it up. This, the Szechuan peppers. Yep, because that's the only way you're good. Szechuan pepper corns, because specifically this recipe calls for both Szechuan pepper corns and Szechuan chilies or chili powder Mm -hmm. specifically, which in the video they or the recipe they acknowledge, you're not gonna fucking get that. In the U.S. Yeah. Unless you go to a very specialty store. So Szechuan peppercorns are a fun ingredient because if you use them... Ooh, they are a real love-hate thing. If you grind them up and use them in your Asian cooking, you can make something that is very spicy and still eat it because it literally numbs your tongue. Yeah. So and like, then you'll just die later. Like Kung Pao Chicken. <laughs> not The one you get from Panda Express is miss, missing the crucial ingredient. Kung Pao of, Chicken from Panda Express is missing a soul and a life. Like, it's just a yes, bummer. It's yes. such a bummer. Don't order. Don't but, do it. But Kung Pao Chicken, the idea behind it is actually... It's rooted in a traditional dish, but that is not it. But one of the ingredients missing is the Szechuan peppercorns, which gives your mouth that numbing that Ashley was talking about. So you can handle that spice for so much longer. So you can handle it while you're eating it because it numbs your tongue. But But, like the rest of your body is still the same and it will kill you. Yes. But if you really (laughs) want to fuck with people... Give them a, a Szechuan peppercorn and just have them eat it. It'll freak them the fuck out because their tongue will go numb. Yeah. Like, and, like you, you'll, you notice. Yeah. Like, right away. Also, fun fact, if your mouth is full of fillings, dentistry fillings like mine is, you can taste the metal when you bite into a whole Szechuan peppercorn. Oh. Yeah, it's very unpleasant. Whoa. That's why I like it ground, because it doesn't affect me that way. Bad time for you. I mean, I have some fillings. I'm not going to lie, but they're, like, really small. No, no, no. I have, like, mostly fillings. I have two. Most of my teeth are probably fucked at this point. Well, we also haven't been to the dentist in, like, a while. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to have dentures when I'm old. It's fine. We're just playing chicken with the dentist right now. I don't like them. I just don't want to pay for it. You know, so, everybody knows the game. You play the game, right? You're like, well, I mean, there's nothing, like, wrong with my mouth. There's nothing painful in my mouth. I'll so, go to the dentist when it hurts. I'll go to the dentist when there's a problem. But that's when it's going to be a big money thing, yeah. right? Because you don't want to go to the dentist now be, to be preventative because they might find a cavity and then you got to pay to get it filled and it's money. It wasn't bothering me before. Right. So you wait, and then it gets worse, and then you go, and, and they're like, more oh, money. well, that's going to be a five root canals, and then you're like, shit. Shit. If I had just done this in advance, yes, it would have only been three. You know, it's, it's rough. Uh- <laughs> so if you choose Szechuan peppercorns, you can't feel the pain. Wait, that's not how that works. 
No. <laughs> okay. So moving... when they do dental procedures, they inject Szechuan peppercorn into your gums. Love it. No, they don't. Anything else don't on think. first impressions that you want to in uh, go over from this recipe? Mostly, I just wanted to impart on the audience how much impart. I wanted that, like classic Asian beefy, like sliced like, beef. Like when you get Asian dish. style beef from a good with a bunch restaurant. of onions. <laughs> because there's no other way to eat beef than with a bunch of onions. Beef and onions. Right? So... Beef and broccoli. That's... Yeah. So when I first saw this, I was like, you know what? This seems doable. Because it's America's Test Kitchen and they make you feel like you can do anything. Yeah. I and, I appreciate them. Yeah. me No, me too. I, I really do. Because we've been able to make some stuff that I would be like too scared to make. It's like... It's... America's Test Kitchen is the one step up from Chef John... From foodwishes.com, where like Chef John's like, hey, here's a thing, and I think you could make it like this. And then America's Test Kitchen's like, okay, here's a thing, here's how it's made, let me show you how to make it for you, Middle America. Thanks, Middle America. Um, shopping. We shopping. shopped. We shopped. Uh, did we? Did we shop or did I shop? Uh, who knows that week? No, oh, this week that was you. Yeah. No, we shopped. So, um, the only interesting thing about shopping is the Shaoxing, which we kind of went over already. Uh, you know, probably... it might it might be annoying for you to get flank steak, and I'm really sorry if it's annoying for you to flank because it was always annoying for me. They mostly have it at Winco now, most of the time. When they don't have it, I throw a rage fit, but. <laughs> Mostly they have it, and I'm, it's it's good quality. I'm happy about it, you know. But if you can't get it, then I'm sorry, and that sucks. Because where I used to be in fucking Orange County, you couldn't. Unless you went to somewhere really expensive. Well, you get it from, like, Albertsons, and it was shit. Oh, the Albertsons prepackaged flank steak? That's not flank steak. That's a sad, sad thing. It's if you saw like an actual flank steak next to that, you would be like, "This is sad." Yeah. Um, so okay, so yeah, uh, shopping. Sorry, flank steak. It, it, I mean, that's more of an us issue. I feel like you might run into it, and I'm, it sucks. I you got you really need flank steak for this, and it really needs to be an okay. You know, we don't have the best cuts. It just needs to be an okay cut. That's kind of one of the great things about uh, Asian food is. Especially Chinese food is right. they're making something making taste good out of, of what's available. Traditionally, flank steak is not a prime cut of meat. It is though. Holy shit! The it's, stuff you can do with flank, flank steak is amazing. Yeah, it's really good. Um, uh, so the we talked about Shaoxing wine. That's a little weird to get. Yeah, I would um, just I would just order it online. The, the other thing, but I would order it because it's, it's not worth, expensive, and if you want authentic tasting. Chinese food. It's worth it. Get it. Um, uh, same as Szechuan peppercorns. Put them in the basket at the same time on Amazon. Yes. Fair point. Yeah, because... You could get away... Szechuan peppercorns don't add really... If they add flavor, it's negligible. It's not... Yeah, it's not really the... F- it is. It's... If they have a flavor... Honestly, they have a flavor of... If they have a, like a fruity, flower. It's like a flavor. potpourri flavor. Which sounds awful, but it... But it's it's pleasant. But it, it does taste like that, and it works with stuff. Oh, that's the other thing on here. Um, 
So it said, sorry. Finish your, your potpourri thoughts. No, that, that was it. It's... Okay. Uh, so <laughs> Tastes a little like potpourri, but so, don't worry. It's worth it. So the third thing, it says Szechuan chili powder. You're never going to find that unless you have a really good Asian store near you. I've never looked for it on Amazon because the sub that we already always have is gochugaru, the Korean chili flakes, which are... Depending on who you... Okay, so it's either gochugaru or kochukaru. Oh, really? Yeah, it depends okay. on whose recipe it is and who you ask, and I don't know why that is. It regional be, pronunciation. I think it's regional differences. Like, like, did you know Korea used to be spelled with C? Mm-hmm. And then it was spelled with K when the Japanese took over. Doesn't make sense because it's all written in kanji. But... Well, I know, but they named, renamed it in the original Korean. I asked my... <laughs> okay, so I dated a Korean guy for like a His second. His name was Jamal. Jerome. Jerome. If he's out there. Black guy name. Love you, babe. For a Korean guy. <laughs> Hope you're doing a good. He's probably doing great. Uh, he's a fucking prince, ain't he? Yeah, so... I don't know. Probably, maybe he would have been. Anyway, he he explained to me that Korea used to be used to have a C in the beginning of it, and when Japan took it over temporarily, they replaced it with a K, and so now he spells it with a C because that's how it was supposed to be spelled originally by his people. Because he's a prince, he would have been a prince. He was part of the royal family if the Japanese hadn't taken over Korea. I'm not saying. That he's wrong? I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, at the time, I was like, all right. All right. And now I'm still like, I don't know enough about Korean politics or Japanese politics to say that's wrong. But, you know, I can say that he is really awesome at Taekwondo. Like, I've seen videos of him later, you know, because we're still like Facebook friends. So he might be listening to this round. Hey, what's up? Um, so. Um, but I've seen videos of him doing a bunch of, like, cool, like, kickflips and stuff, and I'm like, that guy is just, like, 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 a lot of that. Sorry, what was he doing? <laughs> there was some, there was some regret in my voice just now. What, <laughs> what was he doing? <laughs> kickflips. Kickflips. Mm-hmm. So he was skateboarding? No. Kickflips kick are... No. Oh my gosh, Almost no. exclusively... Associated with skateboarding. I don't know the words for Taekwondo, <laughs> but he was doing jump jump kicks. There you go. Jump kicks. That would make any girls swoon a little bit. They're pretty cool. Did he flip? Yes. Oh, they were fucking cool. Hot damn, that's pretty awesome. I don't know if he still does. I think he has a baby now. Um, And he's married. That's cool. Yeah. The fact that he could still do those. Well, I don't know if he's posting them anymore. It was just for a while there. He was, you know, posting them on Facebook, and I was like, "That's." I mean, that's some, pretty badass. That's man. some cool. Flips are hard. This it was really cool. Like if I, you know, if I could even find them to show you, I would show nope. you so that you could again. geek out. But it was way too long again. ago. Anyway, I dated that guy. Korea used to be with a C, and that's the right way. Do you know the? hardest thing to know about doing a flip is is when to start doing the flip i believe you trampoline man you have to start doing the flip on the down actually of the jump 
I wish I could even or, begin to understand the not, athleticism sorry, that it sorry, would take. Not, not the down to do any of this. But at the you want to start the flip at the lowest point. So so when you crouch to do a flip, most people when they jump, when they hit the apex of their jump, they go, That's when you do a flip because you're the farthest from the ground. But as soon as you start leaving the ground, your body should start the motion to flip. So that way you have all of that time traveling up to complete the flip. I somewhat understand because I used to be able to do a round off. Okay, well, (laughs) either way. So you're going down, and then as you start to go up, then you start flipping instead of hitting the apex of your jump and then flipping. He's doing hand motions like I was when I was trying to explain meat. Oh, like meat? Doing more hand motions. Anyways, shopping. Kochigaru. That is the other weird one that not everybody's going to have. Oh, but if you... Okay, Gochigaru, you can put that on anything. You put that. It's like Frank's Red Hot. Yeah. Yeah, because it's a really mild spice. Yep. You can put it on... But it's flavorful. Any, like, like, almost any Asian thing with a fried egg on top. Yep. Put it... Just literally make fried eggs and put Gochigaru on your fried eggs. Yep. Um, it's delicious. Other than that, uh, the only other, like, it's soy sauce, it's baking powder, cornstarch, salt, cumin. It's stuff you're probably going to have. It's not, nothing crazy. If you, if you have a kitchen that you've made stuff in before, you'll probably have, like, 60% of this laying around. Mm-hmm. So, it's it's a pretty easy shop. It's a really, it's it's Chinese food. It's a budget meal. Except, yes, there, but there's some ingredients that you have to plan to, like, wait for them to get there for, like, a day. Because yeah, Amazon. Yeah. But Amazon takes, like, a day, like, right? So like, once fun. you have those it. things, it's a really cheap meal. It's just the upfront of getting some those unique ingredients. And if you already have them, if you already have them, you probably already know about this dish. Um, yeah, you probably make it better than us. Possibly. Um, cooking. But, we're going to move on to cooking. Cooking, cooking is really easy. The longest part was making rice, well, which I don't recommend. You know? Yeah, honestly, if I was going to make this again, I would try to get like a chow mein noodle. And I don't mean lo mein. I mean chow mein oh. noodle. They're different. Mm-hmm. I mean like a, th- you know, like a thin chow mein noodle. I think that a noodle like that would lend itself really well to this particular dish because... The meat gets real, gets like nice and saucy, and you would get it all over. You get it all over the onions and everything, mm-hmm. and then it would go straight into the noodles when you mix them together. Perfect. Did you know that um, what Panda Express calls chow mein is actually lo mein? Yes, I yes, I know chow mein noodles are different. I just I thought that was interesting. Yeah, lo yes yeah. Uh, most of what we get actually in in American Chinese is lo mein and not chow mein, but there's a difference between chow. Like if you go to an Asian store, you can buy chow mein noodles or lo mein noodles, kind of thing. So, um, anyway, I I would I would do this with noodles personally because well Asian noodles like the ones that like rice noodle not rice. Noodle, they're they're like egg noodle, mm-hmm. they're egg, and they but they they're gonna soak up. 
They're going to fry really well, is the thing, and they're going to soak up the flavor that's on the meat and the onion. That's the important thing, is getting something... White rice does not complement this dish because it is... This dish is good and flavorful, but but it is not explosively... No, it's not... Like, it's not spicy, so you need the white rice to... Right. It's not hot. It's not... It's not... The white rice isn't balancing anything. What the white rice mostly does is zap the flavor from the dish. That's what we've learned. Yeah, it's mostly savory. It's just like a really savory... There, there's not really a lot of sweet to there's this. There's no sweet to it. There's a little bit. So you could get some sweet Well, from the... Honestly, if you put noodles with it, the noodles would be the sweetest thing. Which isn't saying very much. You get it, but... Well, you get it from the Shaoxing... Yeah, but if you if you put the noodles in there, like that would be the sweet air quotes part of the dish to balance it out and it would be really good. Well, this is why I like this so much because it's not a standard it's, it's not a standard sweet thing that we would think of Most, when we think of Chinese food in America. Well, yeah. It's very it's like very flavorful. Cumin is such a delicious flavor, and you kind of don't get that. You kind of don't get how delicious it is until you have like a cumin lamb or a cumin beef. So with all these, well, all these other flavors, it sounds like it's a ton of ingredients. It's, it's not. It really isn't. What is it like? Ten, fifteen, maybe. Maybe. And most it really of them are isn't. seasonings. It really isn't, and the seasonings kind of like all everything. It, this is one of those dishes that I appreciate because everything has its. A reason yeah for being there and it it comes together in this super savory kind of tongue tingly that's the szechuan peppercorn really beefy uh flavor at the end of the day it's just really good and we then, need to wrap this podcast up i need to go eat some more of this yeah and the texture of the meat ends up really nice too which is the thing that you have to worry about with with Chinese food, in my experience, you got to worry about the meat being at, overcooked at the same time thin enough that it cooks quickly with all your other ingredients, and also fatty enough or liquidy enough that it won't dry out. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in here talking about the cooking. Um, so, th- in the recipe, it does specifically tell you that it was a recipe designed for a 14 inch wok. But you could also do it with a 12-inch uh, nonstick pan. So you probably have a 12-inch nonstick pan. It's it's your largest saute pan, whatever that is, that you got from your fucking your cook set. That's the one you want to use. You have it. Shut up. I know you do. Um, oh, if you don't have a 12-inch nonstick skillet, get one. Get one. What are it's, you doing? It's your workhorse pan. Uh, ours is gonna fall apart Im- imminently no it's not i mean it shouldn't but ours you is, know <laughs> ours is the blue one it's like three years old oh yeah okay it's perfect but if it wasn't three years old it would be falling apart yes um we we did go through one if you that's why we have the fry pan <laughs> so we, we went through we a went pan. through one it um, died <laughs> it died and we had to get it replaced so okay so the cooking get the pan as hot as you can Put a little oil in your pan so you don't fuck it up with the nonstick. So, Get it as hot as you can. So to that point, it's this is gonna work better if you don't use if you use something that's not a nonstick because it's 
Because nonstick won't get hot enough. No, not so. Okay, so here's the thing: nonstick gets hot enough. Nonstick is rated so long as you don't have big so long as you don't have scratches in it from metal utensils, and you have oil in it, and you have oil to transfer the heat to. Yeah, nonstick can get up to five hundred degrees, but you must have a safely pool of oil you must have something in it while and you're this, heating it or it, it will fuck it up and this dish does call for oil yes so the so it's perfectly fine okay it's perfectly fine to use a non-stick and get it real fucking hot the reason we used hexlad for ours and it was nice the reason why the fear of non-stick and overheating exists is because when nonstick came out, all the moms just used the utensils that they had, which were metal. Because they went from using cast iron. All the moms. And the like. The only people that use nonstick. And then when they got the nonstick, they were like, well, yeah, but I'm just using the metal spoon my mom used. Ugh. And that was a whole thing. Please don't remind me. I literally, I got like a brand new. No- I remember that. I got a brand new, nice Calphalon pan and i brought it to college because i had to make my own food and i'm not gonna say the race of a roommate before i could even open it asian and use it they fucking opened it used it with a metal like spatula or some shit and so i went to use it the first time and it was scratched up to hell and i was like fuck like it just Yep, and that's why you don't let roommates use your shit. That's why you don't have roommates, okay? Like, I college, if anything, I was like, I'm never having roommates that I don't personally know ever again. Because yeah. I can't with this. So, okay, so use your nonstick. It'll be fine. Get it as hot as you can. Dump that shit in there. And then just cook it. Moisture's going to come out once the moisture goes away. Take it out of the pan. It says so in the directions. And motherfuckers, America's Test Kitchen, they write that shit for everybody. They don't leave very much room for interpretation, and I appreciate that. Yeah, like, they've tried a lot of these a bunch of times to try to figure out what works best for stuff that normal people are normal people. (laughs) Sorry. average cook. Sorry, Asians. If you have a walk with a, you know... Gas burning burner. stove in your house. Good for you. It hopefully it never breaks because it's gonna be gone. Only if you're in California. Yeah. For fair, now. Fair. Um although maybe New York too. I don't know. New York Either should way. be first. But okay. Either way. <laughs> so the cooking of it, it's really simple. Shit goes in, shit comes out, shit goes in, shit comes out. And then the onions go in. And then garlic. Okay, so this is the only place we deviated from. The mm-hmm. recipe said it wanted garlic ginger paste to go into the wok first, and then the onions to go in. I did the onions first, and then the garlic ginger paste. I thought yeah. that was better. Yeah, if you want your onions like really crunchy still, then put the garlic and ginger in first. Maybe I would do that. You know what? I would try that next time. Okay. We'll try I, next time. Okay, because I love personally a good onion. when I bite into like a Chinese food thing and the onions are like real like just this juicy, side crunchy of still, yes. And you get like that onion, like the Carl's just, Jr. onion in your just mouth. Just past raw. Perfect. Yes. Like, like just warm. 
Okay. All right. We'll do that next time. I'll tell you, I'm the first person that was like, I hate onions as a kid, but I love it. I will just eat an onion. The the other thing you can do, if you want to, that I know from J. Kenji Lopez Alt that we didn't do, because I'm just following the recipe tonight, was you can take your beef and you can wash it to push the myoglobin out. And that's what uh, he does for stir-frying, because he cuts his beef to that same width and thickness that you did tonight. Yeah. And then he pushes, he washes it and pushes it through a strainer uh, to push whatever little myoglobin's left in the beef. And then you can also tenderize it with the after with the baking soda oh, afterwards. Oh, another step. You know, honestly, this was so tender, though. Uh, um, but doing that is supposed to... Uh, remove the the myoglobin the the filler in the beef to allow the sauce see flavors to penetrate the meat more i don't know if that's true but j kenji lopez alt does it yeah and so there's got to be a reason he generally doesn't do things that don't have a purpose he's awesome he's like the alton brown of asian food there's a scientific reason. He is for actually, why. you know, his style is pretty Alton Brown esque. Is pretty Alton Brown. He explains everything he does. He's got literally, he just has a GoPro in his kitchen, and he's like, has it on his head, just showing he's you like, what he's I'm doing. Cooking. And it's kind of awesome. I lo- I really love that guy. I mean, I'm following him too. My channel's <laughs> following his channel. If you want to follow us back. Because he's awesome. So, (laughs) that guy knows his shit. I mean, I'd give it a try. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, Add all kinds of crap to meats. But even if you just follow the recipe exactly as it's written, it'll come out good. Yeah. Yes. The most important thing is how you cut the meat. It really is. Because I swear we did it. Is it, it the, did thick. we cut it the wrong way or did we, we just cut it cut too it thick too last thick. time? Got it too thick. The thinner the better. So you I, you do with this recipe you you need to cut off the big pieces of fat. You don't want to cook those because they are not going to render. It some fat will render, if but it's, not. It's, if you're looking, so when you get your uh, cut of meat, then you're looking at the like cross cross angle cross section cross section you're looking at the cross section of the slice of meat you just cut um you know if it's like mostly pink mostly meat and then you just see some fat lines you're you're, it's fine but sometimes you get you know you get parts toward the end that are just it's mostly white it's like just cut off the white part throw it away and use the rest because with flank steak, there's enough fat that you're going to have enough fat. <laughs> you know? Uh, and you don't want to make the mistake that we did when we made this the first time. you got to cut it real thin. One-fourth of an inch is very, very small. Yeah. Don't let, don't let the person in your house that doesn't understand size tell you that that's too small. You that's to... <laughs> me. I don't, I don't understand size. You need it really, really small. Really thin. And then... You know, look at your pieces and go, okay, is this mostly fat? Throw it out. Is it half fat? Cut off the fat part. You know, is it mostly red meat and, like, there's some fat on the top or on the side? Fine. Perfect. Yeah. 
you can have the fat in there, but yeah, it's not going to cook long enough to make the fat edible. And if you like eating fat, fucking go for it. Oh yeah, if you love the texture of fat, like this is another baby baby town texture episode because I just don't like eating. I don't like it either. So we're unrendered fat, like it's not it's not good. It's no. weird and bad. So. Anyway, so just, you know, look at your pieces of meat and you'll be okay. And, you know, cut off, uh, before you cut it into the meat, um, take a sharp knife and slice off, you know, horizontally, just real big fat slices. Or I even vertically was just like, cut them out because this is all fat right here in this section. That's fine. Just do that. Get rid of the fat. Before you start, you'll feel you'll be better off for it. I'm trying to remember if there's anything else from the cooking that... No, we pretty much just followed it. I made one choice to change uh, the order of the onion between the garlic, uh, ginger paste, and the onions. And next time we're going to yeah, do try, it differently. I would try it the way it's had to do the, it. This is the, the credit... There's a reason why America's Test Kitchen has been around since, what, like the 60s or the 70s? Well, the reason is housewives but yeah but they've they've changed and they've refined and they're they make recipes not that that housewife is a illegitimate illegitimate profession or anything they they make recipes that are easy to follow and there's a reason for the recipe like the the steps that they do for the most part serve the purpose of the order not just well, I just like to do it this way. Like, no, no, no. There's a reason. Yeah, they tested doing it that way and We the did other it the way. other way and we did it and this it way. And it didn't work as well. We wrote down the better one. Yes. So. If you are listening and you are a housewife, uh, you know, if I had enough money, I would be you. But I don't. No, no, no. If we had enough money, I would be a housewife. But with a penis. I don't know if either of us would. I, it's just, you know, it's, it's not. It's not my cup of tea. Not, it's, there's nothing wrong with it. Nope, um, it's a uh, it, it's dive hard in its own ways. Applaud you for taking time off to raise your kids. Kind of jealous. Don't have a kid, but kind of jealous. Kind of jealous of the taking time off to raise your kids. Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? Right. Um. So, anywho, so you cook it. You just cook it the way that it says to cook it, and it'll come out delicious. Yeah. Speaking of delicious. Which is a word that, um, what show? America's Next Food Network star says we shouldn't be using? Well, you can't use that if you're trying to describe the way something tastes to somebody. Because it's they're delicious. like, oh, delicious. That doesn't, what is it? What does it taste like? Is it meaty? Is it sweet? Is it Well, why don't tart? you tell me what it tastes like as we go into section four of your five point plan? Taste. <sighs> Tasting, yes. This tastes delicious. It tastes like your favorite. <laughs> that means nothing to me. Uh, it tastes like your your favorite Chinese takeout. So long as your favorite Chinese takeout isn't sugar sauce. Yeah, it tastes, it tastes like, like your, your favorite, favorite savory. local Chinese takeout. That's good. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. when you get a good piece of beef and onions in there and you're just like this is so good it's very savory not a lot of sweet to this one it's spicy 
in terms of like flavor like there's a lot of spices in the flavoring it is not hot you could if you really wanted to make this hot add a hotter chili something like give it a shake of red pepper flakes if you really yeah, want you to could if you want it doesn't need it though it doesn't need it but if the main flavor is cumin and cumin is cumin so has a delicious. spice you just don't know how delicious cumin is until you have like a cum- Asian cumin or a, or a Mexican cumin dish. Well, they they'll use it. Uh, they no, they do. Too. I'm just saying this is like they were like, let's make cumin. Asian sing. cumin meat is like the best way to have cumin and understand what it tastes like and understand like why it's an important spice because it's kind of isolating. Like there's other things in the dish, but. The way that they interact with the spices together makes cumin the star of the dish. And it's like, oh, this spice that I kind of just use sometimes in Cajun or something once in a while is actually a big player and tastes huge, you know? Yeah. I think this is the best, this best exemplifies that flavor of that spice, especially when you grind it. Obviously, but you know, even if you don't, I mean, it's still gonna still taste like cumin. <laughs> um, in terms of tasting, it's if you get the, if you cut the meat correctly and you trim the fat, which is maybe one of the more challenging aspects of this. Um, you're gonna have a good time because you're gonna have a good time if you pizza when you French fry gonna have a bad time yeah you're gonna have a good time because the meat is gonna be like the texture you want from chinese food beef yeah i don't know how else to describe it besides that because like i feel like everyone knows that texture and envies it and i feel like we got there today so the i will say for the cooking the directions say for cooking the beef two to six minutes uh, and you, that's really, you really got to gauge that based on the thickness of your flank steak. We had a thinner flank steak. So I aired on the side of like four minutes. Um, the important thing to pay attention to is the moisture because the meat in the directions, it does say that the meat will release the moisture. And then when the moisture has evaporated almost all the way, take it out of the pan. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you'll miss out on that good texture that Ashley's talking about. Where it's like has just a little bit of chew, but it's not like you you bite into it and it just kind of falls apart a little bit. Otherwise, you're just going to get dry, chewy shit. Right. It's the biggest thing is that you always end up with chewy, gross meat when you do this wrong. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. such a bummer. But uh, And when you do it like we did the first time where you cut the pieces too big... It's gonna get it. Nothing like having a big piece of chewy shit versus yeah. a thin piece. At least when it's thin, it's here and gone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's it's what you want it to taste like if you make it according to their directions, which are pretty good. I mean, yeah, their their directions are like ninety nine percent. I think. Uh, there's a little bit room for user error, but they they try to accommodate for everybody. Um, 
the flavor. I will say I don't seek out savory Asian food. I always go for like a sweeter Asian food. And I love this for its it, it is very savory. Um, like well, like I like spicy Asian food, but even my spicy, I always fuck it up with like a little sweet sauce that I dip it in. Um, but I think I'm just addicted to sugar. Mm, yeah, probably. So, anything else you want to say about this? Taste, or do you want to get on to your ratings? We're going to rate it. We're Let's rate, rate it up. this bad boy. Ease of use. Ease of use. Um, wow. Uh, that's a good question. I... We just talked up the recipe, then how easy it is to follow. Well, it's... Yeah, I mean, if you follow the... It's really how you cut it, honestly. It's really... They're very specific, though, in the how recipe. How you cut it. And if you cut it the way that they cut it in the recipe... You will be okay. Um, Out of five, I'm going to say four because... Well, yeah, four for sure because you have to walk it. Well, you don't. Even in the recipe, it says use a use a nonstick and then use tongs and move it around like that. I didn't use that because I had a walk. And well, I it's my better spoon. if you walk it. If you have the walk, use it. It's still because... Um, it's not a foolproof recipe. No, for sure it's not. Because you have, you still have to be able to gauge what's going on. Cooking Asian food like this and doing things where you have to walk, or when I say walk, what I mean is like cook really fast in oil. Yes, this whole this whole recipe is cooked exclusively on high heat. Yes, so to me that's really hard, and I don't do it, and I. Don't, I don't even get near the pan because I don't like it. It's splashy and I don't like it. So, so. I'll say a four because that part doesn't bother me. But it, there is there is a huge room for error because the recipe goes from everything's fine to you're fucked in a minute. It's just, it's, it's very like you have to mise en place. You have to prep everything and then... Oh, yeah. Get it in there. And there's then not it's done. there's not a single uh, Chinese inspired dish that I've made that allows you to just you know uh, throw it in the pan and go do the other thing and then come back. No, no, no. Every Chinese inspired dish that yeah. I've ever cooked, it's like you are on the heat. Fucking have everything go now. Yes, and this is but it brings, also okay. that. But it brings out flavors in the ingredients that you're not going to get from any other cuisine. Yes. The aromatics. And that's why they cook that way. The aromatics blow up and are so beautiful and delicious. And you, there's not another cuisine that achieves that. So. Asian food in general. Yes. That's for what the I'm, most part. That's what I'm saying. That's beautiful. It's like you're not. You're. So they call it the uh, wok hay. The breath of the wok. Um, you, you want to smell it when you're cooking in a wok or cooking, um, on oil over hot heat when you're cooking your aromatics. So green onion, um, garlic and ginger, mostly, maybe, maybe scallion, maybe depending on the recipe or pepper or something like that. But usually it's those, those kind of flavors and you're cooking it on super high heat on oil and constantly moving it. And you, because of that, you're going to smell it in the air when you're cooking. And it's it's just like the most gorgeous smell 
And, like, that's how you know you're making the dish correctly when you have the wok height, like, the breadth of the wok. And I think that's such a beautiful idea, and it's so essential to Asian dishes in general, because you're not... This is this is sweeping generalization, I realize, but... Um, but, you know, but I think your Chinese, your Thai dishes, some Japanese dishes, depending on what it is, it's, there's just no cuisine that, like, understands how to get the smell of those, like, the freshness and the smell of the herbs into the dish. Like that. You can cook it for a long time, and it'll taste good, or you can cook it for, like, two seconds and it's delicious you know it's it's very like Ooh, i wonder if that developed out of the weather for the regions because like in europe they're like oh we're gonna do a lot of long slow cooks for like their classically known dishes because it's fucking cold a lot of the time and Maybe. so i want to spend time around the oven Maybe. Versus in Asia, where it's like it's fucking it's hot, hot and humid. <laughs> I want to get in. I want to do my work, get in, cook my shit, and serve it, and get out. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. I mean, I know they have winters where it's wet and rainy and cold too, and they have their long, slow cooked dishes. Yeah, but their classical dishes that have, you know, traveled the world are the quick cook ones, like this one, where this whole thing was done in twenty minutes. It took us longer to cook rice than it did this whole dish. Yeah, yeah. This is not a long cook. That's why I still stand by my four. There's, there's, there's just a few things that may that stop it from being a five for ease of use. But I'm gonna say a four for my personal abilities. Well, if I had to cook it, then I would say three. But like, that's not the game we're playing. So I'm gonna say a four. <laughs> If I had to cook half of these things, it wouldn't happen. So I think this recipe is really easy to follow. There's just there's just recipe. enough room for error. Yeah, it's a good recipe, but it's not a five because it's not foolproof because of the nature of the cook. And I mean that that has nothing to do with the recipe. That's just more the dish itself. It just it's not an easy thing. Yeah. So what would you say for taste satisfaction? And I want to put out here before you count, choose your number. I this recipe does not even if you read the recipe itself does not account for a side. So I want you to base your taste satisfaction just off the meat and onions. Well, just off the meat and onions is amazing. Exactly. So we were eating it, and I, as I do, I put too much rice on my plate because I'm like rice. I like rice. Rice is fine. Mm. And then I was like, ah. Oh, fucking get this rice out of here yes ashley famously doesn't really like white rice well ashley famously knows what she's talking about a lot of the times when it comes to rice um so like i was eating it though and i was like taste satisfaction i was like three because too much rice and then when i pushed the rice away i was like Mm. oh there's the flavor beautiful it's five yeah, it's a five. That's why I really want to try your noodles because the noodles are just going to be like, oh, let me just absorb this flavor. It's such a gorgeous sauce but the, that builds around the this. The meat on it of it, in it of itself, the I would texture, definitely say is a five. Texture is amazing. If you get the texture right. Yes. But I, w- I would still say you could easily achieve a five on taste satisfaction on this. 
Tis, yeah, in that it tastes like everything I ever wanted from a beef dish from a takeout Chinese place. Yes. Yes. Five. Cost effectiveness. Um, This is an Asian one, and all the Asian ones, I feel like I'm like, eh, it's not that cost effective if you have to buy all the stuff. Because Which most most people don't have... Most of our friends don't cook this much Asian food. Most, I mean, just most... <laughs> most yeah. <laughs> Most of middle America does not have a lot of these ingredients just lying around in wait. Yeah. I give this like a th- I give this like a three. Um I'd give it a three with three. an asterisk for a four if you already have this stuff. Yeah. I would give it a three and say if you don't have Shaoxing and you wanna make good Chinese food, get Shaoxing. It's worth it. But if you had to buy Shaoxing and you had to buy uh, gochugaru. Oh, gochugaru. Just add... Gochugaru is my number one recommendation. Just if you want, like, a like a basically red pepper flakes, if you know what that is. It's, like, basically it's, cayenne, but in flake form. Well, red pepper... It's the, the shitty red pepper flakes that you get with takeout pizza. With pizza. Yeah, but you probably have it in your house. If you like that, get... Gochugaro because it's like it's the that. Asian equivalent of that. Yeah, it's like that, but you can put it with all your Asian dishes or just anything. Like it's really good. So, yeah, it's it's a three middling on a four, but I would stick with a three if you literally had to go out and buy everything from scratch. It's a three. Yeah, it's a three. What the fuck? Nope, it's not. It's just a really pretty traditional with asterisk that it's. Traditional made for America dish. There's nothing that's very weird about it. No, it's very much as they even acknowledge in the video that they took a traditional uh, Hunan dish and made it accessible mm-hmm. for the U.S. But that's uh, kind of what's great about it. I would say it's what the fuck in that most people are going to go, oh yeah, Chinese food. It's like sweet. Oh yeah, and this, that's true. So that's this is I, not that. I would definitely say like at least a three because it's going to throw some people off. You're like, oh, it's Chinese food. It's not sweet and it's not saucy. Because it's okay. It's wet ish, but it's a dry seasoning versus okay. a very saucy. For me personally, this is like a two. What the fuck? Yeah. Because I won't debate you on that at all. Because I know how, like, actual Asian food is. I mean, it is a saucy cuisine, but there's a lot of variety. Yeah, there's a lot of variety from seeing different dishes and trying different things. I'm like, this isn't that strange. It's just, yeah, if you were, like, Panda Express coming into this, you probably wouldn't like it, honestly. (laughs) But, uh... Oh, tasting, last last note for tasting before we leave is please add cilantro. We oh, made yeah. it. Okay, we made it and we forgot the cilantro. Yep. Because Nick always forgets green things. Mm, mm-hmm. Debatable. Especially garnish, unless I specifically remember the garnish. And I try to because usually the garnish is an herb. And I know it seems dumb, 
that your mom like puts parsley all over her casserole or whatever but like it's not dumb it makes a huge difference it's just the herb the freshness of the herb cuts through the fattiness of whatever you're eating it's mostly the fattiness and the richness of whatever you're eating and gives you some relief when you're eating it so we were starting to eat this and I was like no I can't do it and I just got some cilantro leaves and threw it on the plate plates and I'm like it's just it's gonna be better and it was so and it was it sounds like an afterthought but don't forget the cilantro no well again a lot of Asian dishes are very specific about what goes in them and this yeah this one specifically fresh cilantro goes on top you don't need to chop it just pull the leaves off and throw it on there yep and you just get this beautiful fresh bite with your with your richness and it's perfect you you need it (laughs) you really do so what the fuck two and three does it left over that's still up for debate. Uh, we can't remember. I think it's going to be... I think this time that we made it, it's going to left over just fine. Because last time the issue was we didn't cut the meat thin enough and I didn't trim off enough of the fat. So it was too texturally unpleasant <laughs> to eat for me. Yeah. So, you know, so the flavor was all still there. It's coming. It's gonna be as good as reheating your takeout Chinese food, which it's fine. It's not as good as it was when it was fresh, but it's fine. Yeah, but if you had to ascribe a number between one and five to that feeling, uh, give this one. I give this one a three. I would agree with you three because I feel like it's gonna it's be. It's gonna be all right. It's good. The problem is because it's beef, reheating beef. Reheating beef. beef. No, it it could have been the best beef. It's going to be over. But if you want it warm, it's going to be over. It's going to be over. And there's no getting around that. This will probably be okay because it's like it's got a lot of fat and flex in the structure but but it's still it's still beef. It's still reheating beef. Still reheating beef. I still stand that if you could, if if the beef is good enough to be eaten cold, or if the dish allows the beef to be cold, oh. you're better off. No, this doesn't. No, it do- <laughs> this one doesn't. And that's part of the this. problem. But you know what I'm talking about where you like, if you have like already sliced beef, like tri-tip, you can just eat a little bit of cold tri-tip. And if you had a good sauce on it, it's yeah, good. Yeah, that's true. This is not that dish. <laughs> so it, it's going to get a little over. Yeah, we're talking about tri-tip on California territory over here. SoCal tri-tip. Uh, tri-tip is actually super good, though. So, <laughs> But anyway, uh, it leftovers, it'll, it'll do. It'll do. I wouldn't, I wouldn't let it sit beyond a day, though. Nah, we're going to eat it tomorrow. So, it was, it was a lovely dish. It was, I'm glad we made it again, and I would love to do it. It's one of those ones where it, it's gonna, as you cook it more, you're gonna hone it in. But the amount of times you need to cook it to improve it are less because the recipe starts off so good. Yeah, this is only our second time and it like, making it and the meat. So the most important thing for me is the meat texture and 
flavor and the texture, right? The yeah. texture came out perfect. I feel like we improved the quality of the dish between our cooks by like almost 100%. Yeah. So I think if we did this again and we followed this recipe exactly again, I think we could get it another 100% better maybe. Depending. Maybe like 25% better. It was pretty good. <laughs> with noodles, I mean, yeah, maybe. Oh, yeah. Good. Well, if you put noodles with it, that's going to blow it way so. out of the water. <laughs> but... Anyway, we uh, recommend that you make it. It's um, America's Sex Kitchen in general has some pretty good recipes, but they don't like to share them. Which I understand. This but... one's not as stingy you can actually get the recipe yep so that's nice you can get the written recipe um so uh, give it a try especially if you are if you like making asian food and you have some of this stuff would you call this a beginner asian recipe or like a moderate moderate to high because of the high heat yeah this is a moderate because you have to you have to walk when i you know i still think you could get some if you have anybody that knows how to cook this because for most america for most white people that i know um when you say asian food they instantly go oh i don't have any skills in that and it's like no you know how to fucking cook so just let me show you mm. the, like these slightly different techniques that you already know how to do all right but i'm but if you didn't like this is not an introductory <laughs> like thing to cook but if no. you know how to cook already, <laughs> I would never... this is a, definitely an introductory Asian recipe. I would never say that any beef, any Asian beef, especially Chinese beef, was easy. It's not. Uh, maybe my point of view is skewed. Beef is just, Asian beef is just hard. Uh, I'll agree with that. It's hard to get the texture right. Either way, if you know how to cook at all, I'm assuming that's why you're listening to this podcast. Or maybe you don't. That's cool. That's also cool. Don't start with this recipe. Know that it's a good one. (laughs) It's a good one. But if this is like your first Asian recipe, don't start here. I wouldn't. It's it's all high heat and that's the challenge. But I, I think I've said that all I have to say on this... Uh, is there anything else you'd like to say to the internet? No. Ooh. No, she's falling asleep, ladies and gents. Just the big yawn. The big yawn to sign it off. Thank oh, you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. And uh, our bathroom remodel is going to be finished in this week. Yay! Yay! Bye! Bye!